Well, hello, rugby fans out there to another great episode here on the MLR Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities. As per usual, we've got the familiar faces and voices of Rob Hammerschmidt and Scott Ferrara. However, you may note that there is an additional guy here today. We're going to introduce our ranter, our guest rant for today, coming from Mike P, all the way from the Empire Rooster Boosters Club thingy that I know <laughs> Rob and are laughing at me because I got that wrong. <laughs> the Empire Region Rooster Boosters. He's the president of the Empire Region Rooster Boosters. You're welcome. Thank you. That will be great there. All right. I don't know why this like it's written in my DNA code that I cannot string these letters together. <laughs> rooster boosters, rooster boosters, rooster boosters. It I makes for great entertainment. Capable. But nevertheless, we digress. Meanwhile, I, back on I, the I don't know that I can say it either, Mike. I just want to know, does your position come with a staff? You know, a special. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's okay. a staff, and there's a mallet and everything. You know, okay, cool. and a crown as well. I was told, but I haven't gotten it yet. So got, you got to get on that. It's in the mail. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I mean, it's quite an official title. I mean, Mike, to be the empire, the controlling force of an empire is really a large responsibility. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're very pleased that you carved out some time over your schedule to meet with us here today. Well, it's great to be with you guys. So I'd say yeah, it's truly well, an honor. <laughs> we'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's already headed south right now. <laughs> so, gentlemen, once again, to be able to remind our viewers, the purpose of why we're here is to be able to talk about rugby, not only the Major League Rugby platform uh, here in the U.S. and Canada, but it's to be able to cover some of the rugby general points. And how we find out what we're going to talk about is we put it out to the Major League Rugby fan zone. We put it out there on a poll. They decide what we're going to talk about, and what came tops for this edition, this episode, was why does Canada not yet have an additional team, and why does the Midwest not have a team? Now, we had taken opportunity to talk about these subjects in previous episodes. I'll make sure that I pop a link up here, but we're going to frame the conversation a little differently on this occasion to think about what are the obstacles that stand in their way, how can they overcome them, and ultimately what would be the best possible solution and best case scenario for Canada and the Midwest to host a MLR team moving forward. So if you're not yet familiar with how this works on the MLR Rant podcast show, each of these guys have a two-minute opportunity to rant about what they think is the best points to be able to put forth on these topics. And the first one is to be able to open it up on the floor is, Scott, let us know what you think about Canada. Go ahead, bud. So I'm going to have a controversial discussion here about this. I think the number one obstacle in a second Canadian team is the first Canadian team. What is the whole <laughs> ethos of Toronto? They want to build a pipeline for their national team. So think about this scenario. I'm a young Canadian player. Let's say there is a second team in Vancouver. But if Toronto's the pipeline to that national team, why would I sign with Vancouver? It doesn't make sense. So my question is, is there going to be a, a change in the way they, they phrase things or a change in the way that this pipe, this Canadian player pipeline works to the national team? Because right now, that's the advantage the Toronto Arrows have been putting out there. I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like the biggest thing they, they've talked about. It. They talked about that's why one of the reasons that they did not partake in the MLR draft was because they couldn't draft Canadian players due to visa issues. And the entire point was, well, we want the Canadian players because we know they are Canadian ready 
to play rugby. Um, other than that, I do not see an obstacle besides ownership coming in. Um, visas can be an obstacle, but I think the U.S. to Canada is a little easier. Um, a little easier, definitely a little easier to navigate legally if you have the right representation. Um, but other than that, I think the the number one thing standing in the way is is the way they have wrapped the Toronto Arrows around Canadian rugby. Right. And you bring up some great points there. And I just want all our viewers to be able to recognize you hit two important points. One, the Arrows already are that filter that they capture all the players that will eventually be feeding the national program. So it wouldn't serve them to dilute that player pool, if I understand you correctly, by introducing another team. And second half of that is the MLR draft, uh, which didn't they didn't participate in for the very same reasons. They've got an established system that they trust. So yeah, great points there. Solid opening from Scott. Let's hand it over to Rob and let's hear what you think. So I, I think Scott brought up some great points and and, and very valid points, by the way. Uh, there's going to be some natural territorialism that will come into play uh, if a franchise were to open up uh, somewhere else in Canada. Um, I, I would go to the go-to challenge, which is weather, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I always look at the schedule and I see Toronto both in 2019 and 2020. Uh, they play eight games on the road. Uh, and and if you notice, uh, this year was a little bit different, obviously, a shortened season, although Toronto did quite well to open up. They were undefeated until they played the Raptors. Ty, I'm sure you're well aware of that. <laughs> but um, the previous year, they really struggled in those first eight games. They made up some ground in the latter half of the season. But I think weather can be a tough one to overcome for those teams. Now, uh, do you overcome that with a move to to, to Vancouver? as a potential uh, place because it is a little milder climate due to those westerlies that are coming up. Uh, or do you go someplace that's a little bit more embedded in the middle of, Cal- uh, of, of Canada and go to someplace like Calgary um, uh, for an MLR franchise? Those would be two interesting places. My tendency would suggest that uh, Vancouver would be the place to go uh, because the weather's a little bit better to deal with than it would be in Calgary. Right. And Vancouver as an option is certainly a viable one, especially when you think about the uh, uh, the proximity to Seattle. Um, I mean, really, there's a great rivalry that can be born. Uh, you'd also then have to be able to consider how does that change the current conference structure? Um, you know, on the back of, of, of the rumors of Hawaii joining that same conference, that might eliminate them by having an unweighted system there. So, you know, yeah, it, it, you might have to look outside of the, the logical uh, choice of Vancouver and think elsewhere in Canada if you were to find a good candidate. So a great point. Maybe we're just looking in, in the typical places and not understanding where else another great option right. could be. So nice point there, Rob. So we're going to throw it over to Mike P., uh, the master of the empire. And uh, <laughs> let's see what you got. So besides the obvious of weather and then the player pool in uh, Toronto, I'm thinking the major issue is also diluting the fan base. You know, we just started with Toronto and, you know, we have a lot of Canadians that are rooting for Toronto, but if we had another Canadian team in, how does that, you know, shape everything up? It's just, MLR is just, you know, starting up there. Is this too, too, too many teams too quickly? Um, I would say though, if you wanted to put a team in Canada, you would go with Quebec. And I think that would be the perfect place for a team. You could have that nice uh, three-city rivalry between Quebec, Boston, and New York City and with Rooney. And so it would be real nice to see kind of that, you know, interaction between all three cities and those three teams. 
Right. And what I like about Quebec being an option and returning to my comment just a moment ago about the two conference structure, if it continues to go the same path as the MLR continues to grow, that would give you a balance on, on that side there that perhaps, you know, there's an opportunity to grow the league there, it opens up a door for another team on the West. So, yeah, great point there is that maybe we need to think outside of the normal cities that you might think of. Yes, Vancouver does have an existing rugby culture. It does also house a lot of the Rugby Canada programs, administration offices and so forth. And it has got successful sevens uh, hosted there. So you could argue, well, let's build on the existing platform that is there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Quebec could be a great option. Uh, further inland, it could be a great option there. I mean, gentlemen, let me open it up. I can see Rob is chomping at the bit to be able to jump in on this one. Well, I, uh, Mike, I tell you what, I, th I think that's a real creative option. Here's what I like about it. I mean, remember... You know, uh, as we have reached across the league in, in a variety of our rants, whether it's in New Orleans or uh, we just um, we just had a live show uh, recently with uh, Cam Kilgore um, and the San Diego Legion is an example. Seattle is an example. All of these teams are reaching into their cultural roots in order to develop interest in their teams. Right. Well, how interesting would it be in Quebec now that you bring it up, Mike, uh, to reach into that French Canadian roots? build on that French uh, language and reach out to potential of French team investment uh, and bring in a connection between some, you know, critical French teams who have a very successful, you know, leagues there in France, and then uh, draw that into dry interest from France and dry interest from dry player base and, and establish those connections. It would be outstanding. Right. And for the MLR, Anything you can do to engage a larger audience is an absolute win. So I definitely hear those points. And to that point, you know, when we had spoken about diluting the player, uh, sorry, the uh, fan base, which Mike had brought up, you know, and, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, gentlemen, I believe the Toronto Arrows have been alternating between two different stadiums, but they've consistently had great support. So, um, you know, would, would branching out to another one dilute that, that, uh, that viewership? Or would it aid it by, as you so rightly pointed out, Rob, by engaging an audience that we hadn't yet to even discover yet? So those are, are, are great points and counterpoints there. Um, Scott, did you have anything you wanted to be able to add on top of that? Well, I mean, as far as being the the, the number of teams going into conference, I mean, we've seen it in the NHL um, when they have expansion. They they were not afraid to take, I think it was Winnipeg, you know, because because originally Winnipeg was, um, I believe, the Hurricanes and then moved over. Um, to the Jets, and I think Winnipeg for one season played in the Eastern Conference, uh, if, if I'm correct. I think my, uh, Mike's non with me there. So I, I don't think it's hard to say you take a Texas team and move them over. You know, you take, you know, you know maybe you take even a Utah team for one year, say, hey, you're going to play East Coast because really Utah isn't as far west mm. as San Diego or, or uh, Seattle. And then Maybe Miami comes in the year after that and it evens it out, you know. So I think you can kind of get creative with the conference schedule. Um, but the, the one thing I do disagree with that Mike said was the dilution of the Canadian fan base. I mean, you see it with the NHL. They have multiple teams. You see it with the CFL. They have a ton of Canadian football teams. And just like the United States, Canada is a huge country. So yeah. because you have such huge areas, I think you can have spots where you have multiple teams and it doesn't dilute it as much as you would think. But right. again, you have to get over that hurdle of is Toronto the pipeline of Canadian rugby? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that is really the crux of the, of, of the entire conversation is if they have defined that as, as the pathway to professional, sorry, between to their national team through uh, the, the arrows. Yeah. Then that's a different conversation, but I wanted to be able to give a counter argument on the dilution. So you said, yeah, you know, many different franchises exist in many different sports and it doesn't dilute it. They also start with a much, much larger fan base and media presence and, you know, all of that that comes associated to it. So you'd have to be able to ask yourself, and this is a difference of opinion, and, you know, maybe we'll hear more about this. And if you are watching, let us know what your comment is about this thought. Would you rather have one direction and take all of your fans and give them one place to be able to draw to put that energy or would you rather have them set up and create a rivalry and spread yourself to a wider audience? And that's something that they have to be able to think about if they are entertaining or the thought of growing. Uh, the other half of that is, is the MLR growing too quickly? I mean, should we even think about having more teams and when do we stop? That could be another debate there. Uh and do you guys have any thoughts about that? I mean, if there was another Canadian team, surely it would have to end at that one. So uh, on the on the note of um, growth and expansion, I do think that the league has to be careful, right? Uh, what you don't want to have is you don't want to have a situation in which teams are uh, finding the travel to so many different places very expensive and too expensive for uh, such a young league to be able to handle. Um, I, I think that uh, perhaps a pause would be good to let things settle in, to let the conferences settle in. And I think in particular to let some of the natural rivalries begin to emerge and develop and create it, their own energy, right? We already see some rivalries developing with the T Texas Cup. Uh, it would be great to see the rivalry emerge and become stronger between uh, Rooney and uh, uh, New England. Uh, the flapjacks? We call them the flapjacks. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, and and that is a, that is a a rivalry that's emerging. So it would be great to see those settle in before we begin to add to the league. Yeah, I agree. I think you know possibly a pause right now. Um, let you know let the league really grow. Allow for more fans to come in, especially. Uh, you know, in Canada as well. If we were going to say that, you know, Toronto is going to keep, keep being the pipeline, let's get more fans in. And then at, you know, some point, maybe we could think about another Canadian team or another team, you know, elsewhere in the United States. Right. So gentlemen, one time around the table here, and I'll start with Scott because we began this round with him and we'll move on to Rob and then end it up with Mike. Is having another Canadian team a good idea or not? Yes, it is. Ha it is a good idea. I believe it should be a again a a centrally located team, um, and maybe that's our maybe that's our answer to the next question we might have in the in the next round. <laughs> right. So, Rob, tell us what do you think? Uh, yes, if it's done in the right way, I think that you're not going to draw you're not going to pull fans away from the Toronto if it's a team out west like a Vancouver. Nobody's driving from Vancouver to Toronto to catch a game on a weekend, right? <laughs> or maybe closer geographically, but you go to Quebec, as Mike said, um, there's a different culture in and of itself there too to build a franchise on and build a very uh, loyal fan base from. Right. So, yay or nay? I'm going to go with. Yeah. Mike, let us know. I'm going to go with the yay, a resounding yay, I think. Um, I think at some point, it definitely needs to happen. Um, as long as Toronto 
like relinquish its or builds a partnership with this next team that's coming up to say, you know what? I think Toronto built themselves as the pipeline for Canadian rugby because they were the team at the time. But if another team comes in, I think they need to work together to create a dual pipeline. Uh, yeah, to allow that's for a fantastic players. point you're saying is that even if there was to be another team, you would have to imagine that they would be a partner or at least on the same page with uh, Toronto Arrows as it stands and be a part of the same vision for what they do. Uh, almost, you know, the same mission statement. So, yeah, great point there. I like that one at the end from Mike. Now, gentlemen, I think that we've we've worked this one through and we, we know what we think here. But the next thing that FanZone members wanted to find out about is there's a desert in rugby and it's in the Midwest. You know, what about a team here? I mean, in the Midwest, people want to know, why hasn't there been a team? Now, to be able to prefix this, we had a conversation, and I'll make sure that we put a post up here of that uh, episode where we spoke about what would be great options for the Midwest. I want to make sure everybody knows we've, we've identified Chicago. We identified Columbus, Ohio. Uh, there was a Cincinnati. There was a, uh, a team in Kansas, uh, St. Louis, Kansas City. You know, we've spoken about all these. What we're trying to be able to figure out is why isn't there a team now and how could they, what are the obstacles? And again, how could they find their way forward? And what would be the best case scenario? So we're going to start this round by working the opposite way. We're going to start with Rob. So what are the challenges? Um, I, I think the most significant challenge is money, quite frankly. Right. Uh, we we are starting to hear trickles of information coming out from a variety of sources. Again, going back to the Kilgore interview from earlier uh, last week, um, that uh, it's a much higher sum than uh, many pundits out there that talk about Major League Rugby had initially thought. Uh, and so the investment is the is the biggest hurdle. Um, I think there's plenty of stadium for places uh, for in places like Chicago or Columbus or Cincinnati. We know that they have the facilities. We know that they have the infrastructure to do it. Um, and, and certainly the right rugby strategy will do it. Yeah. There's tribalism in Chicago, but there's tribalism everywhere. There's been right. tribalism in many of the other markets in which the MLR is now well-established. Rooney is the best example of this. I think Scott's talked about that, right? So those pieces can be dealt with. What I really think it comes down to is money. Yeah, and absolutely. The commitment is getting larger and larger, and for good reason. So to be able to give it a better understanding, more in-depth uh, understanding here for some of our viewers. And Ty, let me just interject before you yeah. get into it. Remember, I think we have to remember that uh, right now, um, the broadcasting is a liability. Uh -huh. right. it, it, it doesn't add to your it, it's it's not something that you're going to put in the plus side of your of your of your books. It's going to be something that's a, a negative in the books right now. Right. And there are very few organizations in rugby in America that actually own their production. So as you say, it's a large expense and it's not offering. I mean, those rights aren't being sold on the scale of the NFL and it will be a very long time, even if it happens on that scale. Now, of course, we would love it to be. So you have to be able to carry the financial burden for a long time before a team will be seen as successful. Uh, the speculative time frame is usually about four to five years before you could start to see what quote-unquote would be a great business success so yeah it's a long road and that investment 
that is required is getting bigger and bigger each year. So to be able to find the right candidates who are willing to be able to take that risk, be able to wait for that investment to be able to blossom uh, with very little uh, I would say reward, uh, but a lot of risk is a challenge. And right now we would love to be able to say, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We'd love to be able to say that we have investors, big investors lined up, but we don't. So great point there. And it gives people a great understanding of one of the major challenges there, Rob. So what we're going to do is we're going to swing this over to, uh, uh, to Mike to be able to let us know what you think about a team in the Midwest what are their challenges? How do they overcome them? And what is a feasible option for a team in the Midwest? I think the one of the, besides, you know, finances being the biggest burden, I think other sport competition is another burden. You know, it's the Midwest is oversaturated. You've got, you know, baseball, basketball, you know, uh, football, all those other sports that are competing for people's uh, interests. And it's not like it's like that everywhere else in the country, but it's especially big in the Midwest. And so, You've got to have to kind of play against that. You kind of have to find a, a city that already has kind of an ingrained kind of rugby mentality. And I think we talk about Chicago is, you know, a, a good opportunity to put a team in there because, you know, we've had those Chicago games. But I think the biggest one that I would like to see a Midwest team win would be Milwaukee. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, small you know, rugby clubs there, a lot of good grassroots rugby. And so I think the biggest thing to, you know, create a team in the Midwest is to allow those grassroots rugby teams to help kind of fund uh, that team that you want. So, you know, the guys that are, you know, a little too old to be playing professional rugby or be the ones that are taking their children to, you know, a Saturday night game or a Friday night game of rugby instead of somewhere else and don't get to tap into rugby. Right. And, and that's exactly a crucial part about it is that you need to be able to leverage the support you've already got in whatever market you will settle and work with the clubs, build that community, grow the sport from the ground up. So yeah, great point there. And from what you say, it sounds like Milwaukee definitely has that rugby culture established that you can just go in and build upon it. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so yeah. let's, uh, let's throw it over to, uh, to Scott. What do you got? Well, I think you guys are crazy to think that finances are the biggest thing because it's growing. Cause as we've seen, in Hawaii, as we've seen in Rooney, as we've seen in Austin and LA, there are people internationally who can get together, have the funds to make it happen. So I don't think it's as big as an obstacle. I think when when you when you draw it down to your think critical thinking of it, most people's emotional reaction is one guy is going to be the owner. And that's not necessarily the case. You can right. have people who have a certain amount of wealth come together and use it to create a team. So I don't necessarily think the finance of the ownership is the biggest deal. I think the MLR growth is the biggest deal. And we talked about it two minutes ago. Does the MLR, will the MLR outgrow itself and get into a situation where it's like some of the soccer leagues, some of the lacrosse leagues where it then these teams then have to fold. So I think it's more of a growth. And I think, Having a shortened season due to COVID kind of threw everything off track. So now, you know, we're talking, you know, you looked at four to five years down the line and you should see a viable product. We really lost 2020 and, you know, you had three or four teams in the league didn't even have to have a, didn't even get to have a home match to recoup some expenses. So what does that do going into 2021? Um, if I had to pick, Going back again to the Canadian thing, I think Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan is in the middle of the country. It's it's something that 
again, you can get a few minutes, by the way. I, whatever. It, um, it's West enough because of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. It, it's <laughs> West enough that it won't hit into Toronto, and it is in the Midwest of North America. Right. And let's be honest, we're a North American league. Right. I mean, yeah, it's a couple of interesting points. I mean, the counter argument is strong. I will say that, you know, maybe money isn't the greatest issue. Maybe we're, we're seeing it as, you know, local owners. Yeah, there is investment from overseas. We already know that's a big, powerful uh, driving force in the league right now where you can think about the Giltinis, you can think about the Gilgronis. So, yeah, it can have a positive and it can have eh, results too. But it would be great to be able to have a culture that is born from American players or to, to, to produce American players and to grow. So I personally, yeah, I would love to be able to see lots and lots of different teams. And this is coming back to your, to your other point. It needs to be sustainable growth. Maybe we will lose a few along the way. We've already lost the Raptors, you know, for whatever reason it may be. But it did open a door for Hawaii to be able to step in. Maybe the same might happen elsewhere. And a Midwest team might be next in line. I'd love to be able to say that conclusively that we have somebody who's already working towards that bit, but I don't know. And that is one of the things that, that might come to be in, in the next season. And we do know that there are rumors about Miami though. Um, so again, is it just shifting to some of these, these bigger warmer climates? I mean, is weather really a concern? I mean, I think the biggest concern, if I was an owner, the biggest concern for me, and this is something that, I've heard guys talk about on Rooney is the division, the, cl the club divisions, because if, if you're going to play an off season outside of professional rugby, you want to have the competition that's comparable. So if you're in an area that necessarily doesn't have a, a big division one club team available, then what kind of competition are you setting yourself up for the off season to get better? So, you know, obviously Rooney between old blue Nyack and white plains three big division one clubs that are really in it. And, and you're going to be playing guys on other division one clubs who are in the MLR. So, you know, barring, you know, I, I put out Moose Jaw as, as kind of a, a funny thing, but I think Kansas city has that culture. And I think Kansas city mm -hmm. has that base to build a pipeline for their Academy through those division one clubs. Kansas city. Right. Blues That's a great team. point because where are you drawing your players from? And, you know, Rooney is another great example is that look for local guys because it makes it easier to transition into the team they're local, expenses are reduced. So, yeah, great point there. I like that. You got an extra point there. You made it back from the yellow card. Rob, you had something to don't add? Give him, don't give him an out. Listen, uh, you know, to, 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 that point, to, now. <laughs> to that point, if you're going to if you're gonna uh, really look to identify a city that's going to have sustainable ability uh, of growth and also provide a pipeline for players to move into the MLR ranks, the obvious choice is, the Bing Chicago because they have two major Division One teams there. That 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 we have the uh, Chicago Lions, we have the Chicago Griffins. Uh, there's about um, I think in the 200 mile radius we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 men's clubs alone uh, between wow. Division Two, Division One, Division Two, uh, Division Three, and Division Four. Um, and so there's clearly uh, there's clearly that um, pipeline that can be developed. Uh, what I think is interesting is the COVID piece that Scott talked about. The big guy hit upon it, um, you know, in his, in his rant. Well, here's my question. Did, to my point, did COVID scare away investors? You know, if you're an investor looking to make that kind of investment and all of a sudden there's a shortened season, 
because of the virus, did investors say, whoa, maybe this isn't such a good investment, especially right. when the league decided to pay all the players' salaries? Well, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I hear your point. Absolutely, yeah. But then I also look at what's going on around the world in rugby, and it's not – I mean, they they technically have done better in some scenarios. Now, obviously, their commitment financially is far, far smaller than, right. say, the premiership and so forth. So there's a whole other debate right there. But, you know, the Six Nations has just got a massive uh, deal signed where they've sold, I think, 15% share or something nearby. So it's – is it – a bad time or is it the best time to invest, right? Because you have this window, you have this opportunity to be able to grow, to build your culture without the the, the saturated uh, sports market around you that you would normally have. So, yeah. Well, your costs are going up, but in in Northern markets, uh, they didn't, you know, in New England and Rooney are two great examples. They didn't, they couldn't sell a single seat because there were no games. Right. Yeah, but I think the person, the the people who are going to invest in a sports team. Sorry, to, I'm cutting Mike off. Mike's getting no time. But the 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 people who are going to invest in a sports team are going to invest in a sports team already. We're not talking about somebody who's looking at their personal portfolio and trying to game the marketplace. You know what I mean? So if you were going to invest, maybe it changes the way you invest, or maybe it pushes your investment later or to a different sport. But I think those people were always going to invest in a sport in a, in a team. Right. Yeah. I mean, fair point. And, you know, recently on the MLR uh, draft, the live feed that they hosted, Killer Brew had mentioned that there were four or I don't know what the exact number was, but there was definitely, I remember for some reason saying like four or five, you know, bid inquiries. So it's, it would be interesting to know who they are. I mean, we understand that recently one has been revealed with Canaloa. Um, but, you know, I mean, there obviously is something in the works. I mean, what do you think about that, Mike? I think, yeah, it's good that people want to join. I think the problem, the main thing that why we don't have a Midwest team is because people have looked at the failures that have happened. You know, they look at, you know, Pro, Pro Rugby North America and they go, oh, there was a team in Ohio and, you know, it didn't do so well. Maybe Ohio's the, the, not, the you know, the great. No, the team did great. The team Which is the thing. Great. The, the team did great. They don't separate the team from the league necessarily. So an investor right. hasn't That's gone in and gone, oh, no. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I hear you there. And pro rugby, if, if any fan is not familiar, pro rugby was the first iteration of professional rugby in the United States and it survived less than a season. But the Columbus, Ohio Aviators actually had phenomenal support, great stadium setup. We're a good team. And I'm going to give a shout out to Chris Shea, who was recently on the show because he was the one who actually put this this, this up on the poll. So hmm. um, he would love to be able to play closer to home. Ohio, get a team. That's what he asked me to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I hear your point. Um, but they had some great support. You know? I want to just also just – just say that the failure of the league didn't mean the failure of the team. I think that that's true. And I think not a lot of investors have looked at that yet, or maybe they have, they just, they're just waiting their time to eventually. Yeah, And that's, that's, there's merit in that too. I mean, to be able to say, if you were an international investor and you look at it as a surface level, are you going to dig deeper and go, well, here's a team in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, well, they were part of that first failed attempt. All right, move on. Are you really going to take time to dig to learn more? No. You're going to look at what is right in front of you, um, understand the model that is presented to you as a product is MLR. You're not really digging further back than that. Yeah, good point there. Gentlemen, I'm going to go once around the table as we usually do. 
So the key points to be able to hit here, the challenge, uh, where would be, well, ultimately, what would be a feasible option for the uh, Midwest? And do you even think that it's a good idea to be able to introduce a team to the league from the Midwest at this time? So I'm going to start it where it started on this round with Rob. Let us know. Yes. the investor. If the investors are there, let's take a team to Chicago. All right. Absolutely. I think that was an easy answer, Ding. For those of you that aren't familiar, on the MLR rant, we have an inside joke. So anytime Rob says Chicago, it's yep. Ding a point. And right now, I think we're over 200. Uh, <laughs> but likewise for me, I'm not allowed saying South Africa. Ding. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, let me know what you got. Uh, no. Um, okay. Kansas City, well, Kansas City, I believe, would be the best location. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why, no overgrowth. I think we're, we're going to grow too fast too soon. Okay. So it's not about the team. It's about leagues. It's a, it's league saturation, and I understand there's fans in the Midwest that want a team. But like you had mentioned before. We're on the podcast right now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, they're not going to like me, uh, you know, East Coast Elite over here. Um, but I do think we have to solidify. I mean, let's be honest. Rooney, Toronto, New England. New England had half a season. Rooney and Toronto have one and a half seasons, you know, so let, let some guys get set up before we keep adding on. Right. Well, it seems that I still remain a free agent as a fan then, according to you. <laughs> Midwest doesn't deserve a team. Let, let everybody know Scott's against it. <laughs> okay, Mike, let us know what you got, man. I think it's a yes and a no. I don't think immediately we should have a team in the Midwest. I think within time um, with the right investor, and, you know, we make sure that, the set, uh, you know, the market's not oversaturated. We don't grow too big, too quick. Um, the next team should definitely be in the Midwest. But hold on, you know, hold off on that a little bit. Watch this space. I mean, I think we can all agree that we want Major League Rugby to be able to grow with a cautious business plan in mind. Uh, to spread themselves too thin, too quickly can be detrimental, especially if you were an investor looking in right now with a cautious I and you see one or two teams drop out and fall by the wayside, it doesn't promote a very profitable brand and product. Um, the reputation loss would be there as well. So, yeah, it's just slow and steady wins the race, perhaps. I, I would have to imagine that a Midwest team will come eventually. I just think that us Midwesters are going to have to be patient. So, gentlemen, I think that's enough for today. And, uh, again, we need to be able to figure out who's the winner of this rant. And I think I know who the winner is going to be. He challenged me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he had some good counter arguments. Um, he does like to gloat as well. So there's one negative there, but I think that the cup will go to Scott on this occasion. Oh no. Oh baby. Notice it's engraved and everything. Clearly, this was some kind of collusion going on here prior to the <laughs> taping of the show. Now, I tell you, he nearly lost me when he said no to a Midwest team, but his logic is sound as much as it comes. I hate to admit it, and it would be the only time I say that. Unfortunately, it's already been recorded. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there, there are some, some, some real challenges that you brought up. And enjoy that. Bask in that glory for one more week. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And you know what, Mike, we also got to be able to say that we appreciate you joining us here on the MLR Rant podcast show. 
It was your first time. Uh, you put up a good fight, but you know what? At least you can say Rooney won this one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. We, we took it home. Right. So again, let, again this was loaded. Know <laughs> spread the word that Rooney holds the cup for one week. <laughs> so, gentlemen, once again, from myself, the host of the MLR rant, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, Rob Hammerschmidt, and our guest ranter today, Mike P. We say thank you for watching the MLR rant podcast show, and we'll see you at the next one. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.